welcome to Population Health Plugin, a show highlighting current public health topics in our community and things of interest to students across the university. My name is Mina Nabavi, and I'm a program manager in the Office of Public Health Practice at the UAB School of Public Health. Today, we are joined by Dr. Andrzej Kolchetsky, Associate Professor in UAB's School of Public Health's Department of Healthcare Organization and Policy. This podcast is actually a follow-up from a previous podcast entitled Everything You Need to Know About the Human Papillomavirus, or HPV, that was recorded and released earlier this year. If you haven't listened to that one yet, I would encourage you to listen to that podcast first for an excellent overview about HPV, risk factors for developing cancer, how HPV is spread, signs and symptoms, and so much more. Dr. Kulczewski is here today to talk about the HPV vaccine. We briefly spoke of it in the first podcast, so I'm looking forward to taking a deeper dive into the actual vaccine, recommendations, and so much more. So thank you, Dr. Kolchetsky, for being here today and taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with me again. I'm looking forward to another fruitful discussion. Pleased to be with you again, Mina. Perfect. Okay, so to get us started, can can you tell our listeners what is the HPV vaccine? What is it that makes it very important and of so much concern? Well, right, a key question. So it's vaccination against the human papillomavirus, HPV. And this was first approved uh, 2006, not long ago, 15 years ago. Its development and availability presents a, a great opportunity for cancer prevention, the best we've had in decades. So both boys and girls should be vaccinated because it's vital to preventing HPV-related cancers in particular. And it's the first vaccine, in fact, that can help prevent cancer. However, the big problem to date has been that we're still relatively low in terms of vaccination rates compared to other vaccines more often taken in adolescence. Um, So vaccine coverage in the US is a bit low. Uh, It's been slower than in many other high-income countries like Australia and Britain. Uh, And according to the most recent uh, survey in 2019, just before the pandemic, 71% of adolescents aged 13 to 17 had received at least one dose, and 54% were up to date with their vaccine series. So these rates, they've gone up quite a bit on previous levels. They're almost double what they were just eight years ago in 2013 or so, but The point is they are still well below the rates for other adolescent vaccines like Tdap and meningococcal. So only about 16%, all right, 16%, that's one in seven of US adolescents have been fully vaccinated against HPV by the time they turn 13, which is the recommended, you know, you're meant to have it. Ideally, target ages are age 11 or 12. And that's despite national recommendations. So we need stronger national efforts to reach higher levels of vaccination coverage. So let's get into who should get the HPV vaccine. You're you're talking about adolescents. Is it adolescents only? And then can you talk about how many doses of the vaccine are required? Is it one dose, multi-dose? Right, sure. So the CDC and all other health bodies, they recommend it for children basic and adult, young adults, basically between the ages of 
nine and 26 years. In the US, the target age range is age 11 or 12 years, uh, but vaccination can be given starting at age nine, and there's increasing evidence that the earlier, the better, around, say, nine, 10. And until age 15, if you're under uh, 15 years of age, it should be two doses. And then if you're 15 and over, 15 through 26, it's a three-dose series. That's if you haven't been vaccinated already, or if you haven't completed the vaccination series. In addition, um, at ages 27 to 45, it's still possible to get it. It's not recommended for adults older than 26, but the decision to vaccinate is based on shared decision-making between the concerned adult and their healthcare provider. Again, it provides less benefit at these ages, and it's not really cost-effective at the population level because most people would have already been exposed to the infection by then. After that, at ages 45 and over, it's not licensed for use in adults. So the bottom line is uh, the girls and boys are best off having HPV vaccination in their preteen years. And simpler recommendations lead to better adherence to the HPV vaccination schedule. So those, um, the HPV vaccination recommendations, they differ a bit by age group, but there's now one common recommendation for people nine through 26, and another recommendation for people 27 through 45. And those recommendations are the same for boys as for girls. So it's one of those things, the earlier that a, a child or an adolescent can get vaccinated, the better, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've talked, you've mentioned males. Um, can you talk about why males need an HPV vaccine, even though they can't get cervical cancer? Right. So um, it's uh, an important point. I mean, there's better awareness now of the risks to men posed by high-risk strains of HPV infection, and that HPV-related oropharyngeal cancers, ear, neck, head, throat, um, they're a rising problem, uh, three times more common among men, and 70% of that is due to HPV. And in fact, in June 2020, so just not long ago, very recently, within the last year, the FDA chipped in and expanded the indication for uh, HPV vaccination to include prevention of oropharyngeal disease. So there's better awareness uh, too, especially by parents that boys can help also prevent cervical cancer in women if they get vaccinated as well. Uh, of course, they wouldn't then infect their girlfriends and their future wives. So, and there's greater awareness that the HPV um, cancer burden in the cervix is greater than in the penis. Beyond that, advocacy. Women's health advocates and public health advocates more generally have pointed out that vaccinating females only is inadequate, it's discriminatory, it fails to acknowledge that men must be included in policy to significantly decrease cervical cancers. And um, another reason, uh, more public health research showing that it's highlighted these issues, um, especially cost-effectiveness modeling. Uh, that's powerful stuff for policymakers. Armed with good data, they can understand that by taking action now, you can stop an epidemic and also reduce the economic and social burdens of treatment for cancer and genital wards. 
So it's combination of better awareness, it's advocacy, it's better re research, um, and it's all pointing to the fact that a gender-neutral virus needs a gender-neutral vaccine to protect all children from HPV infection, and that this, of course, HPV infection can be a devastating carcinogen, and here we've got a brilliant vaccine against it. So kind of as a follow-up to that, do all countries vaccinate boys as well as girls? It's steadily moving to the situation where HPV vaccine programming is being extended to males, uh, but that's more recent. Uh, so that's why, of course, HPV vaccination rates among boys and young adult males are, are still below 50% nearly, nearly everywhere still. But, uh, but an increasing number of countries are now recommending vaccinating boys. That includes Australia, world leader in um, vaccination rates, and New Zealand, Brazil, Canada, and the Americas, um, Israel, and now uh, in Europe too, Austria, Italy, Norway, S Switzerland, the UK started it two years ago, and now increasingly across more of Europe, nearly all high-income countries have moved to approve HPV vaccination now for males, and it's going to be that way, it already is starting to be that way in low and middle income countries as well. Can you talk a bit about vaccine safety? I know that has been kind of a hot topic this past year, and especially these past few months um, regarding the COVID-19 vaccine, but specifically the HPV vaccine, how is it safe? It's very safe. It's closely monitored by organizations such as the CDC, European Medicines Agency, WHO, other healthcare bodies, and numerous researchers. Uh, so there have been numerous studies now documenting that it's HPV vaccination is extremely safe. There's no pattern to suggest any serious adverse events related to it. And uh, the side effects are minor and temporary. Uh, the most common one being injection site pain that's reported by most recipients, but it's the same as, as other vaccines. So kind of the next question goes hand in hand with that one. How effective is the vaccine? It's certainly very effective. It protects against the most common cancer-causing strains of HPV and the strains that cause genital warts. And clearly, the younger a person is vaccinated, the more effective the vaccine. And that's because a person vaccinated at a younger age has a better, higher immune response, as well as a higher likelihood that they've not already been exposed to the virus. So how long after receiving the HPV vaccine does it take for the, the vaccine to actually work? So it's highly effective and it takes about two weeks after the first dose of vaccine for the immune system to generate an immune response. So it's pretty quick that it kicks in. And the second and third doses of the vaccine boost that immune response. So effectiveness is pretty soon. So I kind of want to switch gears a bit and talk about, you know, parents of young adolescents, young children may be concerned that given the HPV vaccine to their young girls or, or young boys will lead them to become sexually active at an earlier age. Has this been studied? And are there any other reasons that a parent may be hesitant to vaccinate their child for HPV? Yes. So Mina, it has been studied. It took a while for good studies to appear on this. 
and to sort of take firmer roots in discussions on the topic. But uh, clearly, it's very clear now that uh, getting the HPV vaccine does not make teens more likely to be sexually active or start having sex at a younger age. Um, moreover, of course, there are the benefits of protection. And it's this argument of increased protection, particularly against genital warts and cancers, that's what resonates with parents and with their children. Even if for a young person, the risk of cancer seems somewhat distant and unlikely, it's clear that uh, HPV vaccines should be administered before potential exposure to HPV through sexual contact. And um, there's absolutely no evidence that it leads to, you know, sexual promiscuity. So there was earlier some resistance among some parents uh, about this possibility. It's also true that many physicians exaggerated these fears, and they also preferred somewhat to simply ignore discussing HPV vaccination, uh, although that's, you know, also for fear of raising an awkward and time-consuming discussion about teenage sexuality and possibly alienating some of their patients. Um, but clearly, uh, these positions, uh, they, they, they can be countered. And um, uh, it's important how the vaccine is presented. Uh, but certainly, it, it should be presented as um, something that's important. It's important to vaccinate before any exposure. So that is an important point. And to that, it's important for parents to have these conversations with their child's pediatrician if they have these concerns, right? Yes, and the, the approach should be to avoid a focus on sex uh, and rather um, to focus on the cancer prevention. Uh, could even be, you know, any misdirected misinformation. It should be discussed, you know, say, ask has anyone that you care about or loved had cancer? I mean, that, that quickly um, uh, pinpoints the issue. So I want to switch gears again a little bit um, and talk about vaccine uptake in the United States and um, why it has been low compared to other countries. Uh, right. No, so that's a very pertinent point. So uh, multiple reasons. One key reason is uh, countries that have achieved highest, higher vaccination rates, uh, they've made a push in general for school-based vaccination, and that's rare in the US. Um, some countries have also had better messaging about it. Australia here stands out. They've always been consistent on the focus on cancer prevention, uh, something that only, it's only really until a few years ago, it sort of began to be more standard and common in the US. And now it's clearly realized that that, that argument really sells to parents, any hes vaccine hesitant parents and uh, emerging young adults. Uh, so um, there's better awareness too that it's, uh, it's safe and effective and certainly doesn't lead to sexual licentiousness. But that, you know, it takes a while for those arguments to filter through. Um, there's probably better also awareness. It not only helps prevent cervical cancer, um, but men need to do their part to help prevent that. Uh, but still, there are common system barriers to HPV vaccination. 
that includes relatively infrequency of routine adolescent health visits, this lack of HPE vaccination being required for school attendance, and some patients still don't complete series. But the vaccination rates are picking up. Um, the data certainly indicate that more teenagers and young adults uh, have started this and uh, are now completing the vaccine series. Um, so can you talk about what is needed to improve vaccination rates? I know you've, you've touched on it a little bit. Um, can you speak on it a little more? Yep. So um, uh, clearly many things to improve vaccination delivery at the provider level, increasing clinician awareness and education and the ability uh, to make strong recommendations at the system, health system level. Um, there's more need to partner between clinicians and health systems and state health departments and professional organizations to help implement processes to improve vaccination delivery. And at the patient level, more needs to be done to discuss this be it between schools and school kids, parents and their children, um, and providers and children and their parents. So it's multiple things, but strategies have been identified and show that it is possible to increase vaccination rates. Uh, that includes provider and clinic staff education, that includes re recall reminder systems, that includes the, um, the wherewithal the, and the facility, the ability to make good, strong recommendations. And practices increasingly have learned multiple ways to do that. There's a big role to play, certainly, in quality improvement efforts, uh, and they've been pretty successful recently. Uh, the kicker in this, perhaps a slight dent now, obviously, HPV vaccination rates, as with other vaccines, have taken a hit during the pandemic. So there's all the more reason why we need a renewal of stronger program efforts afterwards. Um, but certainly things have been on a good trajectory until the pandemic, and there's every reason to believe that they can be, those efforts need to be reinvigorated um, yeah. as life turns back to normal. Yes, exactly like you said, as we turn this corner and, and the world starts to, as we get back to, to normal or a new normal, that this should be, continue to be a priority across the world. Well, this yeah. has been a, a wonderful podcast. You know, Dr. Kolchetsky, I keep coming back to your first, one of the first things you said at the beginning of this podcast that this HPV vaccine is the first vaccine that can help prevent cancer that we've had or that we have. Um, so it is so important and so crucial. And I'm so glad that you, you took the time to talk with me and hopefully um, this provides needed information for those looking for more answers about the importance of this vaccine, either for themselves or for their children. Great. Thanks, Mina. You bet. Yes. <laughs> and thank you for listening. Please tune in next time for another episode of Population Health Plug-In. 